Cannibalism has a time and place, according to the New York Times. What is a recession anyway? And they aren't trying to make your kids trans. Honest. I'm your host, Zach, and this is Zach's Fact Check. Hello and welcome back to Zach's Fact Check. I am so glad you're here for the latest episode. We've got a lot to talk about today. Before we get there, I want to remind you to like, subscribe, share this podcast. Make sure that you are leaving reviews on your preferred podcast player. It's very important. It really helps people be able to find the podcast and be able to go on and be able to share it with their friends as well. The easiest place to send your friends if you want them to hear this podcast is to go send them to zacksfactshack.com. That's where they will find links to their favorite podcast players. They can, of course, listen to the podcast right on the website. Easy peasy, no problems there. That's also where you can reach out to me. If you have any comments, questions, concerns, clarifications that you want to make, anything like that, you can reach out to me there. That's the best place. Now, that's out of the way. Let's get going with our first story. So the New York Times has been in a little bit of hot water with the public because of an of an op-ed that they posted. The, the title of it is A Taste for Cannibalism, a spate of recent stomach-turning books, TV shows, and films suggest we've never looked so delicious to one another. Now, I must say that the... Hysteria over this op-ed on Twitter. It seems to me that the right has driven themselves off a cliff trying to be upset about this article. Now, do I think this article is a great article? No, it's a lot of flowery words that make little to no sense. It truly is desperately trying to make themselves sound smarter than they are. At least that's the way it comes across. It's talking about a particularly useless and disgusting topic. Um, But I'm going to read it to you anyway. I want to go through this and let's see, is there any reason that the right was able to get so upset about this article? Is there anything that they really had to get angry over? Or did they just fall into the trap of reading a headline in an article and walking away. You know, most article titles are now written as clickbait. So people are like, oh, I hate this. I'm going to get them to click on this. I'm going to type this out because it's going to make them, everybody really mad. And then they're going to click on the, they're going to share their article and it's going to get all kinds of money, right? I think that might be what has happened. But let's get in and let's read a little bit of this and you can make up your own mind. So the article begins. An image came to Chelsea Summers, a boyfriend accidentally on purpose hit by a car. Some quick work with the corkscrew and his liver served Tucson style on toast. That's an image I don't, I'll never get out of my mind. That figment of her twisted imagination is what prompted Miss Summers to write her novel, A Certain Hunger, about a restaurant critic with a taste for male human flesh. I don't know if there's a difference between male and female flesh. I've been reliably told that there's, it's just all, you know, social constructs at this point. So who knows? It continues. Turns out cannibalism has a time and a place. This is the part. This is the one sentence in the article that has made everybody so upset. Let's continue. Turns out cannibalism has made 
has a time and a place. In the pages of some recent stomach-turning books and on, and on television and film screens, Miss Summers and others suggest that that time is now. There is Yellow Jackets, a Showtime series about a high school women's soccer team stranded in the woods for a few months too long, which premiered in November. The film Fresh, released on Hulu in March, involves an underground human meat trade for the rich. Lapvonia, a novel published in June, portrays cannibalism in a medieval village overcome by plague and drought. Tinder is the Flesh, released in English in 2020 and Spanish in 2017, imagines a future society that farms humans like cattle. Also out in 2017, Raw, a film that tells the story of a vegetarian veterinary student whose taste for meat escalates after consuming raw offal. Still to come is Bones and All, starring Timothy Chalamet. The movie about a young love that becomes a lust for human consumption is expected to be released later this year or early next year. Its director, Luca... I'm not even going to try to pronounce that name. I would butchered it so bad. Its director has called the very story of the, the has called the story extremely romantic. I don't know that I could use that phrase myself and call eating other humans extremely romantic or not. But what I can say is, I think the reason that cannibalism has become so popular might just be because we have, we as a culture have so devalued humanity. Think about it for generations under the Judeo Christian principles, it was understood that humanity was special. It was different. We looked at the world in a different way because we had the ability to reason. We had the ability to communicate um, through higher levels. We we were able to, we, we were aware of our own existence, whereas other animals aren't. Even if you take out the idea of a creator, which is what I believe is reality, let's just say you go with evolution. Even then, most people for generations in the Judeo-Christian culture understood that at the very least, humanity had evolved to be smarter than every other animal and were special and unique and the apex of reality as we knew it. It wasn't until the postmodern belief system really began to take root in the education system that that all changed. We took an idea of the exceptionalism and uniqueness of humanity and we lowered it down and said, no, we're just another set of animals. And the way that we treat other animals is the way that we, they should treat us. And we have to give them the same rights that we have. They have to be able to do all this stuff started coming out, all these ideas. A lot of the stuff that has taken place in our society the um, sexual revolution, the destruction of uh, the family unit, um, the idea that my body, my choice, uh, and the the right to to ch- kill unborn children at will—all of these ideas came out of the idea, or came from the belief 
that mankind was not special. It was not different. That there was there was nothing unique about us. That we were just another set of mammalian animals on the planet, and that's all that we were. There was nothing different or special about us. That belief system has permeated our entire culture. Whenever you devalue humanity, whenever you decide that all of humankind is no better than a gerbil, you lose that respect for that life. See, the left would have you believe, not all the left, but a, a, a portion of it, the um, uh, the colloquial uh, slur for them would be tree huggers. Um, but the idea of people who are protecting the environment, protecting wildlife, things like that, these people have come to the, the, the more radical belief system within this uh, within this ideology is that we have to protect animals at the same because they're the same as us they're 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 just as unique as us just as special as us and that they have the rights of us i mean many movies have been done books written all these things about how a misguided uh, environmentalist decided to kill off humanity because we were the virus, right? You've heard that phrase before, that humanity is the virus. That's the problem, right? That idea took hold to protect the, the animals. And so a lot of people said, okay, so since we are, at, we are equal with animals, we'll be just as protected as animals. The reality is that the vast majority of people do not think that way. They don't think of animals as being equal to us. They think of animals being lower than us. So when you tell them that you are equal to, that these people over here are equal to animals, then people are going to treat them like animals. This is, we have, we have this idea of, this of dehumanizing a group of people. You know, this happened in the Holocaust, right? Where the Nazi Germans, uh, they dehumanized the Jews. They dehumanized uh, those who they considered to be inferior, those who were mentally handicapped, those who were uh, physically deformed, uh, those who were had a proclivity to a different sexual orientation, things like that. These people were dehumanized by the Nazis and they, you were able, people were able to like, Oh, well they're not human. So we, yeah, we can kill them just like we would animals, throw them in the, in, in the gas chamber and kill them. Hit, you know, take a bullet and shoot them. Who cares? Like that's what, that's the idea that people came up with because they were convinced that this group of people were less than human, that they were animals. So now you have a society that has been told that we are just a bunch of animals. We're no different than animals. There's nothing unique about us. There's nothing special about us. Because of this, you have people come to understand, okay, well, if everyone's animals, then I'm going to treat them like animals. What do you do with animals? Well, you hunt them, right? You, you, you kill them, right? You eat them. These are things that you do with with animals. You you raise them. You uh, hold them in pens, right? You you farm them. What do animals do to each other? Well, animals hunt each other, right? They kill each other. They 
rape and pillage, right? This is what animals do. There's a reason why we use the, why people use the term that animals should be killed whenever they're referring to a particularly sick human being who has done something horrible and grotesque, right? So if you saw someone and they were on trial for cannibalism, right? Most people would consider that person to be an animal, right? These they have lost their humanity, right? Because most people understand that as much as you want to try to make it be that there's nothing unique about humanity, there is. There is something different about humanity. And the reason that these books are coming out is because people, a lot of people, are beginning to believe that there is nothing special. There's nothing different about humanity. They're looking for this excitement, this thrill of the the forbidden, right? The, the thing that you shouldn't do, like this is taboo. You can't do this. We as a society have come to a point where what we desire to do is so, we, we desire only to do what is disgusting and depraved. That's it. That's what we decide. That's what we desire to do. Like, the, the, the pilot episode, you know, they talked about the, the the story Yellow Jackets, which is the the soccer team that was trapped in the in the in the mountains. That this and it says the pilot episode of Yellow Jackets shows a teenage girl getting trapped, bled out like a deer, and served on a platter in a terrifying ritual. See, so you you're sitting here right now, and the idea is like, well, I thought they they were eat, they were eating. Because we, we, we've heard stories. We, we've heard them for years. Um, I can't remember. Uh, oh, what was it? The, uh, it was the, during the migration west as everybody began to you know, move west and the, uh, to go on the Oregon Trail. Um, I can't remember the, the, the party uh, that, that was trapped in the mountains and began to eat each other because they, they were starving to death when the pass closed in the winter. Um, Oh man, I wish I could remember that. Anyway, we've we've heard these stories for years, right? Of people who've been trapped in the wilderness. One of their people dies, and they reluctantly decide that, hey, he's already gone. Let's go ahead and eat him, right? So we don't die, right? The, these choices were made in a grotesque and horrible situations, and they had no they, they had no choice. But the thing is, here in Yellow Jacket, they actually portray these people as having wanted to do this like they they trapped this 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 girl then bled her out like a deer and then served her on a platter in a terrifying ritual i've never seen the show i have no desire to see the show i have no wish to see the show but it is that they are clearly portraying it here in this article that this is a thing that is more than survival in fact the creators of yellow jackets ashley lyle and bart nickerson who live in Los Angeles say that they wanted the plot to hint that human consumption wasn't merely for the character's survival. They, they're, they're quoted here. says, I think we're often drawn to the things that repulse us the most, but I keep coming back to the, to this idea of what portion of our revulsion to these things is a fear of the ecstasy of them. This right here, guys, is a glorification of evil. It just is. What's your what? What we're looking at right here is that we're drawn to the things that we're repulsed by, right? 
We're drawn to that forbidden thing. Okay, we understand that a lot of people, that we as humans are stupid, right? We, we often de- desire the things that we know we shouldn't want, right? We desi- I think Paul in, Paul in Scripture says, um, I do the things I do not want to do, and I don't do the things I want to do. What a wretched man that I am, right? We understand that we as humanity do things that we know are wrong all the time. We do things that we shouldn't all the time. Yet, to glorify it like this with the statement, but I keep coming back to this idea of what portion of our revulsion to these things is a fear of the ecstasy of them. I can promise you, it's not a fear of the ecstasy of them. Because nothing evil will leave you in a euphoric state. It's just not. We've all been there. We've all done that thing that we wanted to do. We knew it was wrong, and it left us empty. It did not promise. It did not satisfy. That's what evil does. You are. He, he's saying that this this show, this these movies, these books, these plots, all these things are us looking to do what we know is absolutely wrong, and we're looking for that thrill. Like to imagine, like, oh, what if I did this? That, that is disturbing. That that's where we're at. I, I want to go further down in this article because I think this is a really important thing. They were asking one of the writers, "Why did you write this? Why did you do this? Why is this so popular now? Why is this this genre of books and movies and things like that? Why is that so popular right now?" And one of the authors says this. Because of the pandemic, because of climate change, because of school shootings, because of political uh, cacophony is possible, all of them are possible factors. Because of that, she says, quote, I feel like the unthinkable has become thinkable. And cannibalism is very much squarely in that category of the unthinkable. They're stating here that we as humanity, we as a culture still think, oh, that cannibalism is wrong, right? We still think it's unthinkable. And she's saying that the unthinkable has become thinkable in our society. And she's correct. Let's go back to 2012 when the Supreme Court ruled that homosexual marriage was the law of the land. Prior to that happening, it was unthinkable that all the states were going to be forced to recognize homosexual marriage. It was unthinkable, and it became thinkable. At that time, I made the statement in a debate class. I got a terrible grade on it, actually, but I made the statement in a debate class that because we've allowed this, this one thing, that biologically doesn't make any sense. I, I understand that people have, uh, they're, they're predisposed to different desires, different wants, all these things. I get that, right? I understand that. We all have that thing we have to deal with. But the idea that homosexual encounters are, forget religion. Let's take religion out of it for a second. Just biologically, homosexuality doesn't make any sense for the species 
because you can't continue, right? You can't move your DNA on. You can't continue your line. There's nothing good about it. So it's evolutionarily doesn't make any sense at all for, for homosexual homosexuality. And then because marriage has always been defined as one man and one woman as a religious union, not as a political union, but a religious union, right? It was, it was seen to by the church. And that's what marriage was. The, the states recognized what the church has declared, but it was the church, not the state, that, that decided the marriages, right? These were things that were all considered, this was, uncon, this was unthinkable to allow gay marriage at one point, and then it became thinkable. At that moment, I told you, I told people that soon pedophilia was going to be the next thing being pushed. Well, you've seen the stories. You've seen where we're at. The minor attracted persons, that's the next thing, right? That's what's being pushed now as the next quote-unquote orientation. The unthinkable now. Tomorrow, will it be thinkable? That's what I'm saying. I'm saying I know that people are going to be like, "Well, you're you're doing the slippery slope fallacy." It's like, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. I do not think that that's what this is. I do believe that it is a slippery slope, but I don't think it's a fallacy. In fact, I think that this slippery slope has been gradually increasing for decades, and I think in the last three or four years, somebody put canola oil on, on the surface and now we're just sliding down and can't stop ourselves. The unthinkable has become thinkable. So now we live in a society where cannibalism is a thing that we enjoy reading about. We enjoy thinking, oh, that's disgusting. We'll never do that. But why not? If there's nothing unique and special about humanity, if there's nothing different about humanity from everyone else, then why not? Why is cannibalism somehow wrong? If you do not have the understanding that humanity is unique and special in this creation, in this universe, then you can't argue against cannibalism. You can't. Medically, as far as I know, there's nothing wrong with eating a human. It's just meat. So medically, you can't, you can't say that it's wrong. Scientifically, I mean, survival of the fittest, right? So what do you have left? You could say economically as you're destroying the workforce, but hey, you know, so what, you know, what if you just, you just eat the, the, the old? Right, that they don't work anymore. They're not useful to the population. You could do that, I guess. But you still come back to the same spot. If you don't recognize that humanity is special, it is unique and it is different. You can't argue against cannibalism. There's a logical hole there that you just can't argue against. I think that I'm going to stand firmly on the idea that humanity is special. It is different. It is unique. 
And it absolutely has value intrinsically just because it is humanity. And I'm going to sit here and I'm going to say that I think that cannibalism is wrong. It has no place. It should not be practiced. That's no, it's just wrong. And if you think otherwise, well, let me reach out to me, you know, text me, call me, message me on the, on, on Twitter, on my website, whatever. Give me your, give me your contact information, uh, your address, preferably, um, your location as of the moment that you are texting me. Um, if you want to send me your live location so I can track you, I'm going to send the cops. Just putting that out there. If you think that cannibalism is a good idea, I'm sending the cops after you because you need help and you should probably be forcibly detained for a long time. That's, that's what I'm going to go with. All right. Now, the next thing I want to talk about is on Thursday. So I'm recording this. You're, you're going to hear it on, on Tuesday. But on Thursday, we're expecting to get the latest GDP information. It's widely expected that that GD, GDP information is going to be horrific for the Biden administration because it's likely it's expected to likely be a second quarter, second straight quarter of uh, economic uh, shrinkage, I guess. So uh, 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 what we have is your economy, if it's growing, meaning that it's adding money to the economy, adding jobs, adding wages, adding product, things like that, then it's it's in an expansion, that's growth, that's good, more jobs, things like that. Um, That's what we were in. it's classified from two, I believe, two thousand nine, maybe two thousand ten, all the way up until twenty twenty was the longest um, uh, growth period uh, on record uh, for a consecutive number of months of growth. So that was that would be considered a uh, expansion of the uh, economy. A recession is whenever the economy shrinks back, meaning that it grew. Uh, it could be that it grew too quickly and it has to equalize, um, pay off debts, things like that. Jobs have to go away for a time, things like that. And then they, they add them back once they have restructured the businesses, things, you know, restructured the market, whatever it is. That can happen for a quarter. And it's not considered a recession because you can have corrections, right? That are really quick. Oop, we're good and we're on and going. And that's, you know, twice as big as it ever was the next next quarter right that's that that happens uh, all the time but whenever you have two consecutive quarters so six months worth of the gdp declining um it is considered a recession meaning that the economy is shrinking now how long will that the economy shrink how quickly that you, you never know so in 2020 it shrunk rapidly because they shut down the economy right for the COVID-19 pandemic, they forcibly closed everything and said, go home and stay there. Right. And so the economy, people lost their jobs. They lost their cars and just all kinds of stuff. And just a complete, just, just collapse of the economy, right. Forced by the government, that kind of collapse doesn't usually happen on its own. It usually only happens when the government interferes. Um, even in, in, in the ni- uh, 1920s and 30s, when that depression hit in 1929, even that 
wasn't as severe as it became when the federal government put their hands on it, right? The, the idea of the free market is that if you leave it alone, for the most part, it grows, right? It just, it does its job. It's very quick in its resets because everybody wants to make money, right? So you do everything humanly possible to get the, the economy growing again so you can make money. You're not going to make money whenever the economy's shrinking, right? Very few people are going to make money. So everybody wants to make money. So they want the economy to grow, get growing again. So you're going to limit your liabilities. You're going to fix the debts. You know, you're going to correct these issues and you're going to move on. Well, the two quarters of of a receding economy have long been the definition of a recession that is what was you know screamed at us from the roof on the rooftops in 2008 i remember growing up as as, as a kid you know and, uh, you had president bush from 2001 to 2009 in the uh, in the 2008 election it was mccain versus obama and everybody was screaming about the great recession that we were in. It was awful and terrible and no good, and it was very bad, right? Um, hundreds of thousands, thousands of people, maybe even millions of people lost their jobs. It was just really bad, right? And the, the, the screaming cry was we had two quarters of recession, therefore we're in a recession moving forward, right? Well, as with everything, the economy is more complex than just that. But that has been the basic definition of a recession for as long as I can remember. Well, now the White House, because they're staring the you know a recession square in the face, uh, on coming being defined on Thursday, they've come out with a with a statement basically tamping down the fire before the fire starts. So what they said is, what is a recession? While some maintain that two consecutive quarters of falling real GDP can constitute a recession, that is neither the official definition nor the way economists evaluate the state of the business cycle. Instead, both official determinations of recessions and economists' assessments of economic activity are based on a holistic look at the data, including the labor market, consumer and business spending, industrial production, and incomes. Based on these data, it is unlikely that the decline in GDP in the first quarter of the year, even if followed by another GDP decline, is this in the second quarter indicates a recession. So they're saying that, yeah, we're going to have two quarters of, uh, of uh, shrinking economy, but that's not actually a recession. We're going to change the definition on you, but they only change it slightly. They say that we have, you have to be losing jobs too, and that we're not, we're still gaining jobs. Well, I don't know if you can say that you're, I mean, yes, you are gaining jobs, but you're doing it at a, at a slower rate than is what is expected almost every single month. And we're just now getting back to pre-pandemic jobs, job numbers, right? We're just now getting back to where we're supposed to have been before the government destroyed our economy. So technically, we're not even back where we're supposed to have been. We're, we're still below where we were supposed to be and how many jobs we were creating every month, right? We're down below that still. So we haven't even recovered yet. So uh, yeah, it would make sense that you would, be, you would be able to add jobs because you forcibly took them away 
for you know a year and a half, then they start coming back. Of course, you're going to have those. But are those genuine jobs or are those just filling old spots that were there? Are, is the economy still growing? It's like, hey, I need these jobs, right? And people are getting hired for them. I know that people are, that there's, uh, I think that's two to one number of jobs versus number of people looking for jobs uh, right now. And yet they still can't get these jobs filled. Why? Why is that? It, it, something's very wrong, right? You know, you go and you look at people, you know, you, if you go to any restaurant nowadays, they're always, they're, they're desperately struggling trying to get enough workers just to fill their shifts, right? They're not even trying to expand the business. They're just trying to make the business as it is run, right? You've been there. You've waited extra amount of time at the table for your dinner. It didn't show up on time because the poor waitress is working four times the the table she was she's supposed to and trying to make it all happen and just can't, right? We we've all we've all seen it. Why? Why is that? Is it because, well, the minimum wage is unlivable? Well, why is it unlivable? I would argue that it's not because it's the minimum wage. Uh, it's because we have inflated our dollar beyond that. See, here's the thing. Let's say you're a 15-year-old kid and you don't know nothing, right? You ain't got a car. You can't drive. But your mama going to take you to work, right? Let's say that there's a minimum wage. But all you're going to do with this job is sweep. Well, it's not worth it to the owner to hire you for minimum wage because you're just sweeping. That's all you're doing. It would be cheaper for you to, uh, if there was no minimum wage, to be paid less than that to sweep only, right? Get you a little bit of spending cash whenever you can't, literally cannot do anything with the money you have. But you can get a little spending cash, right? Then the minimum wage comes along, and that job that you might have gotten to enter into the workforce whenever you were really young is suddenly gone because it's not worth it to you to be the the person who sweeps, right? So instead, the person who was taking out the trash now has to sweep, right? They've combined those jobs. So now that person is going to get paid minimum wage and has to do both jobs, work twice as much for pretty much the same amount of money, just the minimum wage. Now, I will agree that the minimum wage is not a living wage. It's not. But I'm sorry, flipping a burger is not a job worth more than that. It's just not. Anyone can come in and flip a burger. It's very simple. But not everybody can be a doctor, right? It takes years of experience, years of training, years of college, years of study, years of uh, internships. All of these things add up. So, yeah, you now have a job that is worth a lot of money. So you're paid a lot of money. See, we, we look at, we have tied our identity to our to what we do and how much we're paid is how much we're worth. But here's the thing. How much you're paid is not your value. How much you're paid is how much value you add to that business. That's what you're paid. So if your job 
does not add a lot of value, why would you be paid a lot of money? That doesn't make any sense. See, the business can't look at your scenario and say, well, he's got three kids and, you know, a wife and, you know, he's, he's got to make money. They can't look at that and say, okay, well, we'll pay him more. In fact, it's illegal for them to do that. They cannot pay you based on your, your scenarios. They can't do that. They can only pay you based on the job that you're going to perform and how much value that adds to the company. Here's the thing. If I'm underpaid at my job, that's not my value. That is the perceived value that I add to the business that I work at. Do, do I think that it, uh, could I think that it was wrong, right? That, that they're, they're undervaluing? Probably, yeah. I would, I would probably think that. But that doesn't have anything to do with my value as a person. It's simply what they perceive the value I've added to the company. If the company is making $10 a year and I come in and I say, and my job and what I'm doing can add $2 to that, to that, to the value of the company every year, then that would be about what I'm worth. It was $2. That doesn't mean I'm worth 10. That means I'm worth two, meaning that I have done work. I have used my labor to produce that much value for the company. People go back and they say, well, you have to, then you should, you know, get the profit of the business. No, I shouldn't because I didn't put the business up. I didn't take on any of the risk. I'm just doing as I'm told and making money. That was what I agreed to. So that's what I do. I don't have to deal with the uh, sleepless nights where we go and we do trying to figure out how to, how to stretch the dollar to make the, make the bills get paid for the business so that nobody loses their job this month. That I don't, I don't have to deal with that. The owner does. Now that has been a, that's been a side tangent. I'm just, let me go back. So Biden's administration understands that we're about to enter a defined recession. So they're immediately saying, no, it's not a recession because there's still jobs being added. But here's the thing. There's been so many things they've said were the, the, you know, inflation's only a transient. Well, maybe it's not so transient. Well, you know, well, it's actually, it's, it's here now. Uh, well, you know, it's, it's not as bad as, 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 as maybe. In fact, we've hit the, we've hit the worst now, right? We've hit the, well, it's actually worse now than it was when I said that, but now it's the worst. Well, it's actually worse now than it was when I said that. So everything that they've ever said, anything that's come out of their mouths has been a lie or incompetent. I don't know which, but it's one of those two. That's it. Because it has proven false within three months of them saying it every single time. They came out. Uh, I know that uh, we talked about vaccines earlier and the, the possible, you know, possible adverse side effects of those. But now we know that they said, hey, the vaccines will keep you from getting COVID. And then they weren't. And we were saying, hey, these aren't working. What's going on? They're like, yes, they are. They're absolutely working. No, they're not. They're not keeping us from getting va- from getting the disease. Well, actually, vaccines, they're not, keeping you, they're not supposed to keep you from getting sick. They're supposed to just give you protection. 
and make the symptoms less. Look, I don't know about you, but if you were growing up and polio was a thing and they gave you a vaccine and you still got polio, it wasn't as bad, but it was polio. And you still lost the use of your legs, but you didn't die. Would you consider that vaccine to have worked? I wouldn't. I just, I wouldn't. I would not call it a vaccine. How about the smallpox vaccine? Oh, you got a vaccine and, you know, you, you still got smallpox. You didn't die, but you went to the hospital for a while. Would you say that that had worked? Of course not. So why are we expected to believe this? I have gone on a tangent again. Let's get back to this. Everything they have said has been either a lie or incompetent. I don't know which, but that's what's happened. They are redefining what this what a recession is. And CNN businesses, they, they're asked, they're, they have an article saying, who decides if the U.S. is in a recession? Eight white economists you've never heard of. Okay, so now we need skin color diversity to tell us whether we're in a, in a recession or not. Look, guys, I think Ronald Reagan's the one who said it. Hard times is when your neighbor loses their job. A recession is whenever you lose your job. And recovery is when the government leaves you alone. I can tell you when we're in a recession. And right now, we're getting real close if we aren't there already. I know people's wallets are getting real, real tight. They got more money than ever, and they have less ability to use it because everything they are spending it on is worth, is costing them more and more money. So they're worse off than before. It's so bad. It's so bad right now that the Democrats have actually, on Twitter, uh, four hours ago, they posted gas prices have now declined 60 cents, 66 cents over the last 41 days. Many Americans across the country can find gas for $3.99 or less. I saw a graphic that they put out um, a few days ago that was a, it was a picture of the United States and all these states were filled in and said, in these states, everybody gets there's at least one gas station for, with three ninety nine gas or less. I talked about this. You've heard me. I've, t- I've told you about it. It, it. It's so dumb. They're looking for anything because everything is so bad. They know that we're in a recession. They know we're going for it. So they have to redefine it. It's just sad. It really is. I don't know what to think about it, but I do know that there's just, it's, oh, it's sad. It, it's just sad. Hopefully, hopefully the economy will get better because that's what we need it to be. We need the economy to get better. We need to move on and not have a problem anymore. So the next thing I want to talk to you about is an article that has come come to my attention. Um, I, I, I told you that when the unthinkable becomes thinkable, that's that's where we're at, right? When the un, the unthinkable becomes thinkable. This is an article from uh, Metro.uk. 
so it's a, it's a, a UK uh, magazine. It's a, so the article, the title says, my four-year-old is gender non-conforming, but her nursery doesn't respect that. Okay. Um, didn't know she, she's four. She, she thinks that she's a unicorn. Why, why would I listen to that? This comes, this is from a tweet that, uh, came out from Stonewall. It says research suggests that children as young as two recognize that they're trans, I recognize their trans identity. Yet many nurseries and schools teach a binary understanding of pre-assigned gender. LGBTQ inclusive and affirming education is crucial for the well-being of all young people. I told you, they're not, they're not trying to, they're not coming for your kids. That's not a thing. That's not what they're doing. And then right behind you, they're like, oh yeah, but your kids. I know that there are many teachers now on TikTok. I've, I know I've brought libs of TikTok to you guys before, but they're, she's coming out with videos of teachers that are saying that they're hiding that kids are using different pronouns or different names from their parent, from the kids' parents. They're hiding this because they don't they they don't want the the parents to find out what they're actually teaching these kids what they're enabling these kids to do again i told you these kids think these kids think that they are unicorns that they're uh horses that they're you know i i i once played like i was a fish i mean we've all done crazy things as kids we 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 are you're you're a kid it's your what it's what you do you live in a world of make-believe. That's where you live. But when you grow up, you grow up. You get out of that. Now, I'm not detracting from people who genuinely have a disorder, right? That they, Their mind has genuinely got problems. I get that. That, is, that, that. that exists. I'm sorry for that. But right now, this, this, is, this latest thing, it's, it, it's a fad that it, it's become cool to be gender nonconforming, which which let me let me just say this if if gender is just a construct why do we need to have gender affirming surgery what both two things cannot exist equally you cannot say oh men and women are just con- constructs we can't you you can't say that and then say but i want to look like a woman Let's go back to Matt Walsh's question. What is a woman? You can't have those two things live at the, in the same, same realm. They are juxtaposed to each other. And yet we want to confuse kids by saying they can be, that this girl is a boy, this boy is a girl. And they're, they're confused you are, as an adult, you as your their parent are supposed to be helping them navigate the confusing world, not confusing them before the world even has a chance to do it. You're supposed to help them re- figure out reality versus make believe. I mean, let's think kids, when they're growing up, can't control their temper, right? They go into an absolute fit of rage over the stupidest things. 
I wouldn't. You see all these 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 videos online. Of, you know, my mom sitting. In, I wouldn't let him pick the pick the dog poop off the ground and eat it. And he's on the ground just pitching a fit. Right? We've seen this. This is what a kid does. A kid. We understand that kids are not smart enough to be able to make decisions about their. Uh, about their body when it comes to smoking or drinking or guns. We decided that as a society, but we won't decide that kids are not old enough to realize, to, to understand their own gender. So instead, we're going to say, no, you should be able to irreversibly destroy their body as a parent so that you feel better about yourself. I don't think that's right. Let's read this article. In the months before she started nursery, my four-year-old daughter would often say she was a boy. My husband and I took to asking her whether she felt like a boy or girl or neither to let her know that we were listening and keeping tabs on any progression either way. I was bathing her one time when the question came up and she said, I'm a boy. I marvel at how self-assured she already is. For as long as I can remember, I've struggled to assert myself with others, even my own family. I'm beyond relieved she feels comfortable being herself around me and keeps growing all the more confident and adventurous for it. So let me ask you, who defines words for kids? Because, you know, kids don't have a dictionary when they grow, whenever they're born, right? They don't have a lexicon of words. They're not a they're not a babbling thesaurus, right? They they make weird sounds, trying to formulate words, and they learn words from humans, and they learn how to put those words together into sentences, right? And then that's how they talk. That's how humanity talks. That's what kids learn from adults. What is the define boy? She says, "I'm a boy." Okay, well, what's a boy? A boy is someone with a particular set of reproductive organs or is a boy someone who just happens to like playing with army men? If that's a boy, okay, cool. So you're a girl who likes army men. That's cool. What we're doing right now as a society is we're eliminating the tomboy. We're saying that if you're a girl who likes boyish things, you're not a tomboy. You're actually just a boy. You're transgender. You're confused. You should get surgery and get and make sure that you don't that you don't turn into a woman. You just you're a boy your whole life. I I don't know about you, but I have a sister that would be very upset if she was told whenever she was younger and was absolutely a tomboy and would beat up every guy she had a chance to. She knocked my teeth out. That's how abusive she was to guys. She just, she's very abusive. I still talk with a stutter about it. I'm just, it's very abusive, very abusive. I'm just saying. She, <laughs> she's going to kill me. <laughs> I love you, Danielle. I love you. <laughs> She was absolutely a tomboy, but she was not trans. She just liked things that are quote unquote boyish. 
And you know what? I did not like working on cars. I did not like that at all. I'm not a girl. I'm just not. I am not your man's man. All right. I just, I never have been. And I'm not going to start now. It's just, I'm not. That's not me. But I'm not a girl. I'm not trans anything. And the idea that two-year-olds know what gender, two-year-olds don't know how to speak clearly. They don't know if they're a boy or a girl. That's why you, as an adult, should tell them what they are. Make things clear for them. Give them the English language or whatever language you speak. Give them the language they can use to construct the reality around them, to understand it and put it in, into words for them. These kids are walking around trying to figure out what in the heck is going on and we're making it more difficult for them. And I think that's wrong. I think that's abusing kids. I think that's making it, the world is difficult enough to live in. You don't have to make it more so by making it confusing. Clear things up for them. Say, hey, what? Guess what? You're a girl, but you like, you like to do things that are really fun and that other guys like to do, but you're a girl. And that's awesome. And you should be that way. And you're going to be the best girl you can be. And you're going to have fun. That's what you should be telling them. Instead, what we're telling girls is that no, unless you strictly fall into this category of what you, what you have defined to be a girl, then you're not a girl. You're a boy. You're eliminating girls. You're saying girls are inferior to boys. That's dumb. Why? Why would you think that that's okay to tell your kids, to tell your girls that, no, if you don't like your your stereotypical girl toys, then you must be a boy. No. Let your girl be a girl. Let her do what she wants, but let her be a girl. If she wants to wear pink dresses and go crazy, let her do it. If she wants to wear camo and go hunting, let her do it. Let her grow up as a girl and let her change the world. She doesn't have to be a boy to do that. Stop being such a sexist. I'm sorry, but it's what it is. We're sitting here telling this girl in this story from, the, from Metro UK, we're telling this girl that no, you're not a girl, you're a boy. I praised the teacher who actually, when she went to, finally went to daycare, I praised the teacher who said, no, you're a girl and you're always a girl. I praised that teacher for giving her some reality and not letting her live in a confused state like her parents were. That teacher loves her more than her parents do. Because to love someone is to tell them the truth. Just tell them the truth. Tell them you're a girl or you're a boy. You know what? You like to do things that girls like to do. Cool. Let's work that out. Let's see what that is. Why do you like to do that? Cool. Let's move on. Let's give you opportunities to live life and learn about things. Maybe, you know, Jordan Peterson talks about it. It's like, you know, if you look at a single man or a single woman, 
you would be able to pick the temperament of either one with about 60% accuracy. But if you went to the extremes of the population and you went to the top 100 most aggressive people, they would all be men. All of them. Because men, by and large, are more aggressive than women. And women are, by and large, more agreeable than men. But that doesn't mean that you're not going to find a woman who's very aggressive or a man who's very agreeable, right? That doesn't mean that. It just means that if you pick two random people out of the population with 60% of the time, you will be able to accurately pick which disposition they have. Because men and women are very, very similar. We have very, very few differences. But when you go to the extremes of those differences, that's when it becomes very, very clear. That's why the top 100 uh, worst killers in the world or whatever, they're all men, right? That, that, that's why that's the case. Because men are more aggressive as a population. And so when you go to that extreme end, right, it's a big bell curve. When you go to the very, very high end, it's all men. Right, that that's not where the women are. They're they're not in that category. Men and women are very very similar, but we are not the same. We are not the same. We are equal, but not the same. We have different desires, different wants, different goals in life, and that's fine. Go for it. Do what you want to do, but stop mutilating children to make yourself feel better. Just stop. All right, guys. So that's going to be the end of this podcast. I went really long with this episode. I am sorry. I hope you enjoyed it. I personally just, I got into it. I I had to keep going. Um, I have really enjoyed this. I have really enjoyed making these podcast episodes. I would love feedback from you guys, especially on this episode. Uh, Let me know what you're hearing, what you're seeing. Uh, Give me some show ideas, things like that. And let's keep this going. Again, let your friends know. Send them to zacksfactcheck.com. Super easy, super simple. You'll no no problem to be able to find them there. Uh, They can go, your friends, your family, they can go wherever they want uh, on whatever platform they want and be able to listen to the podcast. Um, But make sure you go and you give a review for me. Uh, Give it five stars if you liked it. Uh, Give it one star if you didn't. I would love your honesty. Uh, Go up there, though, and give give me a review. Let people know what's going on. But until next time, I'm Zach, and this is Zach's Fact Shack. We'll see you later.